finds your seat, I have a sermon today that I think the topic of what I'm going to speak about today, you will agree with me that this is an important and a relevant topic for the world that we live in today. I'm going to talk about brokenness and fixing that brokenness, and we're going to talk about the brokenness that is in each one of us, the brokenness that is in our world, the brokenness that is in our nation, and so we're going to talk about that and fixing that brokenness, and it's not just going to be, it's kind of a depressing sermon because I'm talking about brokenness, but I'm going to give you some answers some answers to that brokenness, both uh, spiritual answers, big answers, and then I'm even going to, later in this sermon, I'm going to kind of go from a sermon to announcement and talk about what this sheet is, because this is very practical answers to the problem of brokenness in our world today. So if you would, would you turn to the book of Nehemiah, and I will read for you uh, first what the title of this sermon is. The title of this sermon is God has called all of us, all of us in here, all of us listening online, God has called all of us to be leaders and to fix brokenness around us. No matter who you are, no matter what your influence, whether you think you have more or less influence than you you do, you're called to be a leader and you're called to fix brokenness around us. You see, the book of Nehemiah, are you there yet? Book of Nehemiah, it's kind of hard to find. It's right in the middle of the Old Testament. So you can find it in your paper Bibles. We can find it on your Bible app. You can find it on the screens in just a second. So lots of places to find it. But our boy Nehemiah, who we've been talking about through this sermon series, is a guy just like you and me. And he finds out some very, very bad news that back in his hometown, the capital of his hometown, he hasn't ever been there, but he finds out that that city, which is Jerusalem, is in destruction, that the walls are laid waste, that the gates have been burned with fire, and God puts upon his heart that he needs to go back, that he needs to be a part of this fixing. So we're gonna look at this historical story and then make a, kind of a metaphor for our own lives and say, what, what's the brokenness around us, around the people that we know, friends, families, coworkers, people that we just know, the brokenness of this world and what we can do about it. So would you look at Nehemiah chapter two, verse 11. This is gonna be the story when Nehemiah sees with his own eyes the walls that have been destroyed and the city is not in a good place. Nehemiah 2.11 says this, when I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except for the one I was riding on. Verse 13 says, by night, I went through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate. (laughs) I can't just say that. I have four little boys. The dung gate, really? Um, That gate stunk, literally. We're reading the word of God. Jackal well, the dung gate, examining the walls which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Some more about the details of where he goes. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool. There was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I had not yet said anything to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. 
Then, verse 17, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. After look, it's, he goes on to say, I think three different times he mentions that it's at night. At night, in the quiet and the sadness, he is seeing the destruction of Jerusalem. And he says in verse 17, then I said to them, see, you, see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, let's start rebuilding. So they began this good work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. God, as we look at the story of, of a servant of God, of the servant Nehemiah who saw a city destroyed, and you put inside of him this notion that he was going to be a part of this rebuilding. Lord, I pray today that each and every one of us listening to this sermon, examining your word, would, would feel this burden to build and fix and mend the brokenness that we see in our own lives and the lives of those around us. Oh, we pray with joy this morning, knowing that you can do that. It's your miracle inside of us where, where the walls are rebuilt, where good things can happen. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people. Shouted, amen. amen, amen. The title of this sermon, do you remember it? God has called all of us to be leaders and to fix brokenness all around us. I have for you, uh, I think it's been a little while, I have a three-point sermon, a classic three-point sermon. It's all gonna be about how the Lord can use us to fix things, but I'm gonna take us through a journey of three points as we explore like, oh, how does this work? How can we see brokenness and then be a part of fixing things and people and situations and um, just brokenness in this world that we see today? So the first point is, well, how do we do this? Well, first we need to observe. Point number one is observe the brokenness around you and ask the Lord for direction. Observe the brokenness. In the quiet of the night, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem and he finally takes a look at these walls and he looks closely and it says all the different gates and places he goes and he sees the destruction. He sees the gates have been burnt with fire and the city is in shame. The city is, is totally open to attacks from the enemy. It goes on in this book of Nehemiah to say that the Sumerians are like right on the horizon and this very famous passage that in one hand, we're gonna hold a weapon and the other hand, we're going to work. He sees this brokenness and what does he decide to do? Where well, the Lord has put it inside of him to be a fixer, to be a part of this role of fixing. He couldn't possibly, with his lifetime, fix the whole wall of Jerusalem by himself. But Nehemiah's role is a role of leadership and he rallies people together and they join together and fix the wall. So I'm wondering, this whole sermon is gonna be about, well, what is the brokenness you see around you and how can the Lord be a part of that uh, for you in fixing the brokenness that you see? Well, the first step is to um, observe it. Second step is to think through, like, how can I fix this situation? I've been thinking about this word fix all week long. 
And there's something, when, when you look at a word and it doesn't look right, has anybody experienced this? You're like, fix, F-I-X. And you write it down and you're like, is that, is that really how you spell it? Like, is this right? Has anybody else experienced that? Okay, look at all the hands. It's called, it's called word amnesia. When you like think, you see a word, you're like, is this right? Or you can't spell a simple three-letter word. I experienced that this week. It was very frustrating. It was like thinking about fixing things so much that I got frustrated at myself. And I'm like, man, I, I, my whole life needs to be fixed. And I kept thinking about like, I'm someone who, I'm, I'm a dad and a homeowner, and so I have to fix a lot of things. I have four boys, and I'm constantly, like hourly, my boys are breaking something, and I'm fixing something. The guy who was up here, Nate, his job is uh, the maintenance guy over, all, over the Summit Ministries, which is a hotel here in town that's been converted to, to Summit Ministries. How old is that hotel? 18, 19? Over 100 years, he's fixing this building, and, and it's, he's someone who understands, like, where I am, like, just fixing things, and I don't have the know-how that he has, but, like, just this week, can I, uh, um, I don't know, maybe just in, in a way vent right now? Can I vent to you right now? Is this a safe place for me to vent? I'm going to vent, okay, and you just listening will be a part of my healing process, so this is a sermon illustration within a sermon illustration. So this week, uh, I think it was Monday, the, the boys were like getting ready for the bus and the bus went by in the front. When it goes by in the front, we just have a couple minutes before it goes by in the back and that's where they catch it in the back. So the bus goes by and they're like, the bus! And so like a little football team <clears throat> of four boys, they went out the screen door without opening the screen doors. Like that scene, the Broncos leaving the... The, the locker room and they bust through the banner. It was just like that. The bust through. And so that happened on Monday. I finally got around on Friday to fixing it. I'm fixing the screen door and I look down. It's in the mudroom. And the mudroom has like this little hatch to go underneath the house, like in the crawl space. I'm like, oh, this hatch isn't sitting right. So I'm, I, I pause fixing the door. I look at this hatch. I'm trying to fix it. I open it up. I stick my head under there and like all the insulation has fallen out. And I'm like, oh, I got to go fix that because, you know, in a couple weeks it is fall. It's going to be cold. We're going to be turning our heat. So I get under the, the crawl space. I'm fixing that. And then I see another spot like this whole board has come off like this vent and so our house underneath is just open to like mice and rodents and and the wind coming in. it's like oh gosh oh, I gotta fix this so here I am like thinking to myself I'm under the house all I try to do is fix a screen door and I'm under the house like what is going on right now and so that's my vent to you like that's 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 like like, and I could joke about that part of my life because it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's as a dad, the, the guy who fixes things, like that kind of stuff just adds up. But in a serious note, like as a pastor, like I experience uh, a lot of times, maybe more than others, and I'm very grateful for my role as a pastor, but very often I will be the kind of maybe the mediator, the in-between, or someone who uh, they will call me first as a pastor, and it's an honor, it's a privilege, but man, the weight of this world, the weight of the brokenness that's, that's around us at, at New Life Manitou, at New Life Church, other congregations, other pastors talking about situations, they're going through true brokenness and broken people, there's that burden. I think we all sense that. It's not just me, but, but I think if we were honest about our own lives, the people we know, our friends, family, coworkers, uh, we would say that there's a lot of brokenness in this world. And if you agree with that, would you just nod with me? Like there, there's a lot of brokenness in this world today. And I was uh, venting, because I guess I do a lot of venting, apparently. Uh, I was venting to my friend Bobby, who's here. We were uh, riding together. And Bobby's a very wise, good friend that goes back many years. And I was, I was venting about that serious stuff. Like there's, there's a lot of just brokenness. And I'm gonna speak about brokenness this Sunday. And I was preparing for the sermon. And he just reminded me like a good friend should, like someone wise counsels, like just goes back to the beginning 
and says, um, you know, the gospel message, the, the message that, we, that I preach every Sunday is that you can't fix yourself and you, you can't fix somebody else. It's only the Lord who fixes. And our role as, as a pastor, as, as members of a church, as Christians, our role isn't to go out and try to fix people. Our role is to walk with people and to sit with them and to prayerfully bring them to the one who can heal. Can you say amen to that? I think about this, this idea of trying to fix people and even fixing ourselves, we can't do it. Um, I opened the sermon with, we're gonna talk about brokenness and fixing things and fixing people. And, and really, if I'm honest with this first point, as we observe the world around us and see brokenness, the fixing of that brokenness is not on us. It is on the Lord in our role in this metaphor is to walk with people, to sit with people, and to point to the Lord, bring people to the Lord, the one who can fix. I read, uh, I'm trying to read a lot of books this year and I've been listening to different people uh, recommend books and somebody recommended this, uh, just a kind of a business negotiating book, secular book. It's called uh, Never Split the Difference. Maybe you've read it, it's kind of popular right now. And the guy who wrote it is like an FBI agent that did a lot of work with like hostage negotiations. And so he was the guy the FBI would call in when there was a hostage situation and he would be the one on the phone with these uh, terrorists. And the, the whole premise of the book is you don't split the difference. You know, if they have 10 hostages, you don't, you know, make a deal for five. No, we want all the hostages. And he kind of, he became really good at this. He talks about his story and he got a big head. He got cocky, he got arrogant in his, you know, what he's like, I, I negotiate million dollar deals and, you know, nothing, you know, I'm, nothing makes me scared. I talk, you know, right in the eyes of a terrorist who's about to kill someone. Like he's just someone who's very confident. And he goes on in this confidence throughout the book and he gets to a chapter on Showing empathy. And he says, well, sometimes this confidence could get in the way that you think you could do it all and you could fix other people and you have control over everything. And so he says that in his life, he spent a little bit of time volunteering at a hotline back in the day uh, for a suicide, it was a suicide hotline. People would call in and they would talk about what was going on in their life and the, the caller would, would, would answer the, 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 the caller would call in and someone would answer the phone and try to talk down someone from suicide. It's, it's a great tool that we have uh, in our world today. And so he volunteered for that. He went in with this cocky attitude. Like, I, I could do anything. I could negotiate terrorists. I could talk someone down, blah, blah, blah. And so he goes through the training and he's on one of his first calls and he says the supervisor next door in the other room was listening into his call. And this guy called in and said he's depressed and lonely, doesn't want to leave his house because he's nervous something bad can happen to him. And the, the negotiator, the guy writing the book said, I just jumped on that. I was like, well, here's what you got to do. You know, step one, put on your shoes. Step two, get on your jacket. Step three, get out your house. Have you ever had something bad? You ever been mugged outside? Well, no. Well, you, you don't have nothing to be afraid of. You need to get out there. Here's the plan. Let me tell you what to do. And the guy's just like, okay, yeah, I guess. And he thanked him. He said, well, this was a great call. I appreciate it so much. And he's like, yeah, I told you I was going to fix you. And he's just kind of the hero of the call. He hangs up the phone. He's strutting around. I just saved somebody's life today. No big deal. And he goes around the corner and he sees the supervisor. And the supervisor says, you know, I think that was probably the worst call I have ever heard. He's like, what do you mean? The guy said it was the best call ever. He thanked me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were the hero of the call. You talked about you for 15 minutes. 
every, everything you came up with was your plan that you were putting on this guy, and it was all about you. You were the hero of the call. Like, like, that, like it shouldn't have been about that. You can't fix anyone. And he slowly began to, to realize that that was a turning moment in his life, that, yeah, he can't fix people. He can't have control over every situation. I wonder if today, you know, if you're in here wondering, like, okay, well, how do we fix someone? How can I fix someone in their situation? Or how can I fix myself? The good news is that you don't have to. Christ, God is the one who fixes. Amen? Amen. Here's point number two. Point number two is we, not, we can't fix somebody, but we can be part of the repair work of God. Certainly, we can't fix someone else. We can't even fix ourselves. But point two is this. We can be part. We can, we can play a role in the repair work of God. Think about this burden God gives Nehemiah to go to these walls that are broken down. He could never repair them himself given his lifetime and limited uh, skills, but he could rally the people. His role was a role of leadership and he got people rallied and they fixed the walls. And it goes on to say that they fixed this construction project in 52 days. It's amazing, it's a miracle. I mean, if you know anything about construction projects, to stay on target, to have the deadline and to actually keep it, it's a miracle of itself. And think about this big of a project, fixing the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah's role, was a role of vision, was a role of leadership. And maybe for some of you, it's like, well, maybe that's not my giftings, but I have something else that I can bring to the table and I can be a part. I could play a role in God fixing myself or someone else. Think about our own lives for a minute. Think about your own life. Give this a second to just think back and to maybe some of the hard moments that you've had in your own life. And think about like, there's been probably been people along the way who were of huge help to you, who you would look back and say, this person helped me, they, they fixed me, they were at least a part, a huge part of that role of God truly being the one to fix. I think about in my own life, like I think through some of my high school days where I was very, uh, just lacking any kind of self-confidence, I didn't see myself as a leader or, or of anyone, I was always kind of shying back and in life and avoiding things and situations and I had a great youth pastor. His name is Paul Bradley. And he was someone that, that came alongside of me and walked with me, spent afternoons with me, and, and just said again and again, Joe, I see leadership potential in you. And I was like, no way. Like, that's somebody else. He goes, no, you have leadership potential. And you have, you have confidence inside of you. And the Lord is working in your life. And I look back at, at that time and would say, that was a really a broken time in my life where I had no confidence at all. And this guy was a part of mending my own life. I think about my parents who are here this morning, Nima and Papa. They, um, th- thinking through just being with me as a kid and going through some things like losing a soccer game or the death of a family pet, and they, they just were with me. And I think, man, they, they were used by God to heal broken times in my life. Or I think about Erica during um, times when we were dating. She's my wife. She was the, the worship leader here today. Um, like when we were dating, I had a friend who very tragically passed away in a motorcycle accident. He was serving as a missionary in Nepal and I was in my 20s, he was in his 20s and suddenly his life was taken from him and the grief that I went through and Erica's just being with me and being present in that healing time of grief that was, I would say, like the Lord used her to heal me. I think of the power of the church where we see the Lord's hand at work. I think of um, just this last Friday night at New Life Friday night, uh, the, the previous Friday, maybe some of you were there, so a lot of you double dip with New Life Man to Friday night. Any Friday nighters here? Ooh, ooh, a couple of you, good. Um, 
Daniel, the pastor of New Life Friday Night, heard that a young single mom uh, was not getting her insulin. The insulin's like 400 bucks. It's expensive, 400 bucks a month. And she was not buying her insulin because she needed to make rent. And Daniel and the church found out about this just through conversations as people do. And he was like, well, well, not on my watch. Like, this is the church. You don't, you don't have a need like that. You're not gonna not take your insulin. We're gonna help you. And so on Friday night, it was a beautiful thing. I watched it on video. He made a call. He said, here's, here's the need. Come up and give and we will get this money. And so much money came forward that he was able to share that money with other single moms going through similar situations and able to pay rent for several single moms. It's amazing. Like This is what the church does within New Life Management. I'm, I'm not sure. It's been, I think, three times now someone has needed a car. In this little, like, look around. In this little congregation over the years, Years, someone has needed a car, and then someone's like, well, I have an extra car. Here's a car. Or I don't have a car, but I have some money. I'm going to go buy you a car, and a car is going to show up at your house. And they, I, they call me. It's like, Joe, could you deliver this car? And I get to. Like, I didn't purchase this car, but I get to bring this car to your house and give you the keys and say, hey, see that car? This is your car now. Like, this is what the church does. We take care of each other. The Lord does have situations where we can be uh, fall into this role of being part of the healing process in someone's life. I want to bring your attention to these. Uh, this is a very practical thing. So it's kind of like half sermon, half announcements right now. But th- these sheets at the back as you leave on the welcome table are these sheets. And I would love for every family to get one of these because these are the, listed out the support groups of New Life Church. As some, as, you, as some of you know, New Life Church is eight different congregations in the Pikes Peak region. And a lot of these groups happen at our main facility, which is New Life North on, say, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights and, and, and so on and so forth. And these are different groups for support that you might not know about. I mean, I'm, I work at New Life, and I was like, whoa, I didn't know we had a group for caregiver support. If you're having a hard time giving care for a loved one, there's a support group for that. If you're going through a divorce, there's a support group for that. If you want to strengthen your marriage, there's a support group for that. If you have or go there, we have a group called Grief Share. We have Hope for Cancer. There's Lots of different groups, support groups, and different one-on-one support as well. There's all these issues here. Uh, Suicide issues, LGBT plus issues, widows, grief, children with cancer, teen pregnancy, elderly care. There's all these different support groups and one-on-one support that New Life offers because you guys give to New Life Church. And when you give to New Life Church, part of the way we give back to this community is with these groups. So these, a lot of people will say, well, I want to go to counseling, but I don't know where to go. Well, now you do. And if everyone took one of these, you could either you know, consider one of these groups for yourself or you would have it on hand for a friend or for someone you run into, someone who says, I, I want counseling. I know I need a group, but I don't know where to go. Well, now you do. And sometimes people say, well, I would like to go to counseling, but there's a bar- barrier of finances. Like I can't afford counseling. Well, guess how much these groups are? Free 99 free. There's no cost. Like these are groups that New Life provides support. Uh, some of these, we, could, we don't call them counselors because they're not licensed counselors, although some of them are licensed counselors and they're donating their time, volunteering their time 
to, to give one-on-one support for anybody. And so there's an email address here. This is all found online too, but I think some of you like the paper version better to have something in your hand, especially if you're in a conversation with someone. Say, hey, look at this group. Here's when it meets, Tuesdays, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Like, go to this group. It's a great group. So this is an incredible resource that's at the back table as you leave because I wanted this sermon to, to be a little practical as well. Like, I don't just want to talk about brokenness without talking about healing. And I don't want to talk about healing without like some real uh, ways in which people can get healing. And this is one of those ways. I told you this sermon, the topic of this brokenness, it's a very important topic and it's very relevant. I see a lot of people like nodding their head. Yes, there's brokenness in this world and the Lord is the one who miraculously can heal. Let me give you point number three. This is, we'll wind down this sermon. Point number three is this. Our hope is in the miraculous work of God. I'll say it again. Our hope So we're not trying to fix people. We could try, but really our hope, the one who truly does fix and and repair and mend is the miraculous work of our God. And I wonder if like some of us sometimes fall into this place where we we know of someone who's who's broken and we want to help, but we don't know what to do. We might say to ourselves, like, I haven't been trained in that. I haven't gone to school for that. I feel underprepared. Like, what if they ask me this? I have no idea what to say. Like, some of us feel like often we're in that place, and I could be honest with you. I often, as a pastor, feel like I'm in that place. So someone will come to me to a, with a situation. I've never heard of that. I, don't know. I honestly don't know what to do, but I'm encouraged by this, by point number three, that that our hope is in the miraculous work of God. It's not in us. And so maybe all I need to do is to sit with someone. Maybe all I need to do is walk with, some, with someone and prayerfully bring them to the miraculous work of the Lord. I think about in this room, like I started off with the title of this sermon saying, everybody is in here is a leader. No matter what influence you have, you're a leader and you're called to fix brokenness around you. And I'm, I think about like some of you just naturally do this and, and maybe you don't even know that you're doing this, but you're bringing healing. You're bringing repair. You're bringing the Lord's work in our world today. I'm going to call out a couple people and it's not to embarrass you. I would never do that. I call, I'm going to call out a couple people to honor you because I think you're just doing things that you just normally do. And, and maybe you just need to be encouraged. Like this is the work of the Lord. You're making the world a better place. I think of Roxanne, who lives in our neighborhood and walks around with her dog every day. And she just walks around and she asks people how they're doing. That's the work of the Lord. That's being a part of his goodness and his repair. I think of Susan sitting right next to Roxanne, the best neighbor we ever had when we lived in downtown Manitou. Her gifting is gardening and planting. So this week she was planting iris, iris bulbs in the city to make it beautiful. Like that's her using her gift and that's making the world a better place. I think of the Mayats, Alan and Kathy, who are missionaries to Brazil. And Kathy is a, is a, is a counselor. Maybe some other, others of you are counselors in this room as well, but she sees people and counsels them. I think of Dina sitting right here. She's a teacher for high school and she always has stories of like the brokenness of students and just sharing love. And she's just a caring person. She's bringing the repair work of the Lord into many, many lives. I think of Michael Paris. There he is. He, he at one point in his life, this last year, he had a, a part-time just for fun job driving Ubers and he would pick up drunk people on Friday nights and drive them to their homes and just preach to them and speak Jesus and God loves you over these people and he has like go ask him sometime of his story he'll have a hundred stories of what he does I think of John and Linda sitting back there you guys are both matching you're wearing yellow good job Shellimers 
I think of them, they lead a, a ministry for specifically women who have lost children, specifically to suicide, but it's, it's any kind of loss. And John teaches and shares at a grief share group. Like there's, I mean, I could go on and on in this room of people who are just, this, you, it's you guys doing what you do. Don't you realize how important it is? Don't you realize how broken this world is and how things that you're doing, you are all leaders in this room and we're all called to fix the brokenness in this world by God's help. So if you would, would you stand with me right now? I'm gonna invite the band to come forward. Brett's gonna lead us to the communion table in just a moment and he'll give some instructions for that in just a moment. But I want you to, where you are, stand and consider. First, we're gonna pray for the people that we're thinking of, as I'm talking about with the brokenness we, we see in others, the brokenness in friendships or marriage or um, coworkers or whatnot, like there's brokenness that's probably coming to your mind right now. And I want you just to think of one thing. Like what is the Lord putting on your heart as you consider the, the brokenness in this world that maybe the Lord's putting one particular person or situation in your mind? I wanna pray over them. So Lord, we bring this situation to you we bring um, brokenness, we bring this person or these persons to you, and though we pray over them, though we know that you are the great healer, you are the one who can mend, Lord, we intercede for them. We go on behalf of them to you and say, Lord, would you come before them? Would you heal? Would you take away pain and sorrow and grief? Lord, would you allow them to walk through it with, with knowing that you are in charge, that you are the great healer. But we give them over to you. We prayerfully point them to you. We prayerfully sit with them and say, here's the Lord. He's gonna do a miraculous work because Lord, that's what you do. Again and again in my own life, the lives of those in this church, Lord, we, we could say that Lord, you have worked, you have moved. So Lord, you are our vision. And now, Lord, we do in this moment, in this quietness, as we've studied the word of God, as we have sat through a sermon, listening and considering about the brokenness, Lord, we right now do the, even the harder work of turning inward and looking at ourselves and seeing the brokenness in our own life and ad admitting to you, Lord, that we've sinned, that we've fallen short, admitting to you that, Lord, we, we need your help we have brokenness. We have hidden brokenness. We have open brokenness. And Lord, we need you to heal us, to mend us. And it's with this that we turn to the table. We come to the communion table saying that, that we don't have everything together. We don't have our lives. We, we need you. We are desperate to feed, to eat what you have to give us because Lord, we're starving without you. We need you. And so Lord, now we go to the table. I'm gonna invite bread up. And Lord, we worship you in this moment, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so friends, I invite you, um, yeah, see the movement uh, around the room. There are baskets near each of the rows of chairs. If, this is your, if you're new or new-ish, you can reach into those baskets and you'll find the communion elements. I invite you to go ahead and get those elements ready. If you're at home, we're glad you've joined us and you can prepare your elements as well. This is the moment we come to each week, joining Christians across the centuries, across the globe,
in the bread and the cup, the place where we remember that Jesus gave himself, he gave his wholeness, he was broken, that we could be made whole. The brokenness is not in the way of being made whole. It's actually part of it. And so Jesus, we remember that on the night you were handed over to suffering and death, you took bread and having given thanks, you shared that bread with whoever would follow you closely, whoever was hungry to dine with you. That's your disciples. That's us. We say we're hungry for you. And you say, take, eat. You broke the bread and you gave it to us. And you said, this is my body. And it's for you. And you're invited to believe Jesus this morning. You're invited to believe Jesus, to take him at his word, that this really is for you. He said, take, eat. This is my body and it's for you. As often as you do this, remember me. And so, Jesus, we remember that you, in divine fullness, became one of us. And you entered in. You didn't avoid brokenness. You entered into our brokenness and said, follow me. Eat this. Take this into yourself. Because this is the path to life. And so, Jesus, we don't know how this works but we say we take you at your word and we ask that you would get your brokenness into us and that you would get your wholeness, your resurrection into us. Do it, we pray. You may receive the bread. Likewise, when supper was over, he took the cup and having given thanks, he shared that cup with you. With you. And he says, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. And it's poured out. I'm pouring out my blood to make you clean, to make you new, to wash you, and to say that tomorrow does not have to be like yesterday. In fact, it will not be. I am drawing you into a good future. The brokenness is receding and the wholeness is being poured into you. Jesus, we take you at your word. We say we thirst. We're thirsty for this. Get it into us, we pray. You may receive the cup. And so Jesus, we love you. We love you because you first loved us and you won't stop. You won't stop. You won't stop. And so give us faith to trust this, to trust that you are endlessly forever pursuing us with your mercy, your grace, your goodness, and your love. May this knowledge increasing in us transform us and make us new. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen and amen. Let's worship, friends.
again, Lord, you are our vision. You're the one who heals. You're the one who saves. The one who loves us and teaches us how to love and how to be a part of the healing that you're doing on this earth. So, Lord, we conclude and say, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come on the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we praise you and thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, there's going to be people up here to pray with you, to pray for you. If you're praying over someone, when I, when I mention that, come forward. We'll pray over them. Secondly, if you're new to New Life Manitou, I see some new faces. Thank you for being here. There's a card in your basket that says visitor. You could fill one of those out. Or if you've been before or the, to the other congregations but never came here and filled out a card, we have a gift for you. Fill out the card. Bring it to the, the wonderful people at the guest table in the back. A couple announcements. This week, our men's group, we call it M3 because it stands for Manitou Men's Ministry. Once a month, we try to do something fun. So this Thursday, 6.30, we're going to meet up at Adventure Mini Golf. And we're doing this thing where we call it Combat Mini Golf. We did it last year. And we jokingly said, bring a helmet. Don't worry, a medic will be there just in case. And some of the guys did not show up because they were like, what do we need helmet for? That was a joke. The com we call it combat mini golf because Chris Chris Ayers wherever he is he puts together this list and says like on hole one you have to putt left handed and it's like this silly things like that turn around three times then do hole number two so it's that so it'll just be a fun night we'll cover dinner and the cost of golf so come talk to me or Chris Ayers or get on our best better yet get on our text list for these monthly things that we do as men just for fun uh, so that's that. Kids, volunteers, we, we always have opportunities. I see lots of people in here that love kids. If you love kids or if you could just withstand kids, we have opportunities downstairs. We have a nursery. We have a younger elementary, older elementary, and now we have a middle school. So there's lots of opportunities. If you're like, I don't know what that's about, tell us you're interested and we'll just put you as part of like a helper teacher just so you can get the hang of like what is this before you fully commit so that's just come talk to me or someone with a volunteer badge on or go downstairs even better yet and say I would love to learn more and they will tell you all about serving at kids ministry finally your last announcement next week we're doing a potluck after church next week we'll have kind of have a vision Sunday we'll end a little early and hopefully we'll have beautiful weather have a potluck outside we're have burgers, hot dogs, and brats. We'll, we'll provide all the drinks and all the plates and that kind of stuff and buns and things. But what we would love for you to do is to bring, look up your last name and, and see if you're going to bring a side or a dessert and bring that next week to share. Some of you love doing that and we'll make two or three things and that's great. We would love that. Some of you hate this kind of stuff. Just bring a bag of chips. It's easy. Just bring a cake from Safeway. That's easy. Just come to celebrate next week. And if you forget, come anyways. We will have lots of food. So that's next week. Should be a great time. We'll be either outside or if there's a change in the weather, we'll meet downstairs in our fellowship hall. But let me pray a blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance. May he heal you. May he fix everything that is in your life, in the life of those around you. Lord, you are the great healer, and we praise your name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.